Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, and today's tip of the week focuses on another way managers can improve communication in their departments, in their offices, uh, in the company. To ensure that inclusion goals are met, you want to create dedicated diversity panels. Having a diverse panel of members ranging across various departments, personality types, different types of people, different generations, ethnicities, all of those great things to ensure that the process remains transparent for everyone that actually creates better communication. So today's guest is Austin Jackson, a gentleman I met from, goodness, startup world, all of us. Um, I'm really glad that he is here. He is somebody that I think is really all of our listeners are really going to enjoy because he's eclectic. He's one of those Dos Equis men that everybody should need to know. I put him in the same category as my dad and my brother. So Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you are a great host. I'll give you five dollars for that intro later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dos Equis man. What can I say that does it always? So we always kick off the show so that people will know um, five words about you, but you get to pick them. So what are those five words that you would tell somebody you're at a cocktail party that describe who you are? And it can be anything. Five words to describe myself. Um, I would say faithful, uh, a man of faith, uh, definitely a believer in, in God. Um, I try to stay grounded and rooted there. So mm-hmm. that would probably be number one. Uh, number two is driven. I am pretty passionate about things, but I, I like to push all gas and no brakes. Um, number three, a student. I, I I always believe in being a student of the game, a student of life, a student of my elders, a student of, of everything, period. Um, two more, what should I say? Um, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say philanthropist just yet, but I- uh, You know, a person can be a philanthropist because of their time. And your time is something- that is priceless. Absolutely. And it's definitely uh, more expensive than, than money. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I do believe in giving back and, and paying forward as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, father. Father. Gotcha. Which should have been one of my first answers. (laughs) Well, you put faith first and God first. So you're never wrong when you put God first. That is true. Yeah. So, you know, you could have done done it there, but you finish strong because you're finishing that you're a father. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's very important to me. And I've realized as I've gotten older that that's kind of been um, like a deciding factor on a lot of my decisions. What what do I want to pass down or instill or teach? My mm-hmm. son, that's literally the next generation for me, right? Yeah. So. yeah, that's really significant too, because I know um, we've had some offline conversations and kids are always watching their parents and they form their relationships. They form how they, their values and how they see themselves and how they see others based on how our parents interact with each other. Absolutely. Whether they're together or not how they treat their friends and how they treat their kids. Absolutely. That is the legacy that we leave. I, I realize that. And, and what you said, how you treat is what they see. Mm-hmm. You can say all day, Hey, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do mm-hmm. this. But they're going to replicate what they see. Mm-hmm. Nine out of 10 times. I did ask someone the question one time I said, a father is an alcoholic. He has two sons. And one decides to never drink alcohol a day in his life because he saw what it did to his dad. Mm-hmm. And the other one drank every day and said, yeah, well, my dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. I said, they always say it's about environment, right? Mm-hmm. But they literally grew up in the same environment, but had exact opposite choices. And the answer that I've heard that I don't know if I've grown to accept as the answer was it was about fear because fear is a... Uh, highly motivating factor absolutely for decisions but 
people also have to realize that 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 highly motivating factor could be pushing us in the right direction as well. So mm-hmm. we got to realize how to use the bad for our good, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That was something I was thinking, but continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I think that the other words that you picked in between faith and father of driven a student, that's continuous learning. I think anybody that's going to be continuous, a continuous learner, will always be innovative, will always be creative, will always be relevant. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's great that you chose that. I'm kind of helping you there, but you might've had some (laughs) other reasons why you said student. So actually, before I say student, my first thought was I was going to say middle child. Oh, really? It's a phrase that, now funny, I'm the youngest child, Mm -hmm. but it's a phrase that I use of being able to receive from those older age and you being able to pour out and those younger than you. Mm-hmm. And again, this doesn't have to be age. It could just be wisdom on a certain topic or, or life in general, whatever the case is, but always being a student of your mentors of, of the game People. of life of exactly. Mm-hmm. And being able to pass along that knowledge. So I believe in that middle child mentality, but in order for you to be a great leader, mm-hmm. you have to be a great student. So, yeah. and I also feel that by being a, a teacher of things that you do know, you tend to start to retain them a little better yourself. That's very true. I feel like there was uh, something that was really significant that you said too. Ooh, it's going to come back to me in just a second. Sometimes I interrupt people because I go, oh my gosh, I want to make sure, I'm but I've gotten better. <laughs> I've gotten better about like putting some notes on here and coming back to it. Um, very insightful there. Uh, driven. Why driven? Was your dad driven? Absolutely. Your parents? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I would say both of my parents. So my mom graduated college the year after I graduated high school. Oh, wow. What's what's super crazy is I don't have a vivid memory of everything when I was like an infant. But I do remember being underneath my mom's desk in college. She was in college. And um, and she had to leave the class for whatever reason. I don't I don't know anything else about the sort, but I do have that image. As a high school kid, you were under her desk. No, 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 no. Okay, I was I was an infant, and my my mom always had this mission and vision for herself. She wanted to have her degree, mm-hmm. and whether she graduated out of out of college four years after high school or whether she had to do it forty years after high school, mm-hmm. she made it happen. So I I definitely saw drive mm-hmm. I saw passion and and more so than anything I saw commitment mm-hmm. like that's a long time to be committed to something that's just that meaningful to you mm-hmm. that's that my dad um he went to inter-american university in Puerto Rico only knowing that only knowing the Spanish that he picked up off of watching cartoons as a child oh wow Inter-American universities in Puerto Rico. Graduated with his his college degree, speaks fluent Spanish. He made a tremendous career in the United States Postal Service. He was not only just a postmaster, he was a postal coordinator over the entire Virgin Islands. He was even over in, in some offices in Puerto Rico. But aside from that, his passion was in martial arts. He entered that, I believe, when he was like 18. Mm. He's been doing martial arts for 45 plus years to where actually I just came from visiting him this past week and having a a knee replacement surgery. So being that commitment that that committed that you'll, he dedicated his life to it, built martial arts schools across different islands and things of the sort. So I saw his passion and his drive on that aspect as well. And both in the uh, corporate career, as well as on the the entrepreneurial uh, aspect entrepreneurial aspect I'm sorry um as well so I I guess I saw it from both parents yeah uh again he never spoke to me about business never one day in life but children I guess reflect what they see yeah (laughs) they do well and a lot of it is just how they're treating again people and I think that's the the thing that makes the biggest impact on all of us absolutely Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Well, that was good. Philanthropist, I like the fact that you also said you're going to pay it forward, but you also, you know, you got to give back. back. There's a back and a forward, a push and a pull kind of thing that goes on. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that middle child, I felt I was firstborn. You said you were baby. So my the middle child, not everybody has three Mm -hmm. in their family. Right. Because you could have like 20 kids or you could have three to have a middle child. Mm-hmm. So um, my brother that is the middle child, he's he's pretty, he's kind of a big deal. I talk <laughs> about him on my show periodically. I go back and I tell him, so, you know, I talked about you and he goes, hmm. Okay. (laughs) He's like MacGyver. Uh, He's a warrant officer. Five flies in, swoops, saves people, comes back. There's only five in the country. It's kind of a big deal, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) You're right up there though with him. (laughs) Okay. So um, my question for you is also on a scale of one to 10, how hard is it to make a scalable business model? Because you and I have been talking about your concept but I think you should go back and tell people what it is that you're building because we haven't done that. And typically I also do, how did you get to school to where you are now? So let's go with those two questions first. All right. So school. Yeah. If you went to college, great. If you didn't just pick it up wherever and how'd you get to where you are? So I did go to to school after high school. I went to a universal technical Institute for audio. uh, I'm sorry for, Auto mechanics and engineering mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what I'm doing today, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also picked up uh, some classes in Valencia College. I had some basic interest in, in business and things of the sort. However, you have to take all of these general classes and things of the sort. My time in Valencia was extremely short by choice. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. No, mm-hmm. I have I have no degree. I, I did have a certificate from the program that I completed in tech school. But again, that doesn't really apply to what I'm doing today. So, but however, to continue that story going, I worked for American Honda, um, whether that being through different dealerships or, and things of the sort for almost 10 years. Um, definitely built a, a sales background, not selling cars, but selling service and things of the sort. Um, but I, I as, as much as you can say that someone was a a success in a corporate world, I still wasn't satisfied. I didn't feel like I was fulfilling a purpose. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to work for myself. I really didn't like answering to somebody waking up at times that I didn't want to be somewhere to do things I didn't want to do. It it already, as basic as it sounds, that that was my truth. So real estate was my passion. I I started studying it more so on the investing side but I saw just being a real estate agent as the way out. And I uh, got my real estate license while I was still working at the dealership. And when I got my license, I, I entrepreneur, right? I pitched them a program. I said, hey, you guys were talking about extending hours. I am willing to actually just come and work these certain hours in the night, blah, blah, if I can have my days free to me or whatever cases. Giving them my opportunity to expand their business get what I want and everything of the sort. They thought about it. They didn't agree. So Mm -hmm. at that point I was like, all right, you're lost. I'm on my own. I got my real estate license. I officially went to go sell timeshares. That worked out for a short time. Then I realized that wasn't for me. Yeah, it's hard. Not only is it hard is I'm a firm believer in the product I'm selling. Mm -hmm. If I'm not a believer in the product I'm selling, it's harder for me to pitch because yeah. uh, people buy into me as a person because I try to be trustworthy. I try to be honest. I, I, I go forward with all the information, but I can't sell you a bag of BS for lack of a, right. of, of a way to put it, or at least withhold some information that may affect you on the back. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really care for that. Right. So my time served there was, was kind of short. I'm like, hey, this was just a means to an end. I was just looking to make some cash, blah, blah, blah. I really want to get into real estate investing. Let me at least get into homes. That's a start. So I decided I'm going to be a real estate agent. Get out there, start working uh, as a real estate agent. Obviously, you don't get paid until you close. That is right. And you eat what you hunt (laughs) or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. You eat what you kill. 
And yeah. every day is hunting day, but not every day is eating day. Right? Yeah. So I'm I'm out there. I'm doing my uh, what do you call them? The where where you invite a whole bunch of people to come and see the homes on on Sunday. I I invested oh. like three four hundred bucks. On open house. Open houses. I invested a whole bunch of uh, money on science and things to do my open houses on marketing on these cards and everything. Blah blah. blah. Actually, prior to that. I, I was licensed, uh, I am licensed in life, health, and annuities, so I was selling life insurance while I was uh, selling timeshares as, as kind of my side hustle, mm-hmm. right? But as an entrepreneur, you're always going to try to figure a way to make something happen, mm-hmm. try, try to make things move and shake. So long story short is, in between my closes, I had a buddy, he knows that I was into music from years back, we actually went to high school, he said, look, I'm in live events production, he said, at least I know that you know the audio side. Why don't you come out here and do some of these gigs with me? By doing these gigs, you may, may be able to make a, a, a couple extra bucks of cash in between every time you close. I'm like, all right. So I want to work out for him. I want to work one day. First day, I made 250 bucks. I'm like, 250 bucks? All right. I remember I was working at a dealership and there was one point in time that I was making a salary of 300 bucks a day. So wow. if I made 250 bucks one day, my first day out here as a freelancer, I'm like, there's some opportunity here. Yeah. So my first day that I'm out there, I started talking to some people. I started talking to other people, find out other people who's hiring for these things. I know one thing. I know audio. I could hook up a mic to make sure I could hook up some speakers and things of the sort. But I became a student quickly. I wanted to become a student of the industry. I wanted to become a student of of learning how the industry works, but also learning how a technician propels and evolves in this industry. Mm -hmm. So I I humbled myself. I looked for any opportunity I could get out there, no matter how much money I was making. Like when it was 11 bucks an hour, I'm there. If it's 12 bucks an hour, I'm there. If it's 14 bucks an hour, I'm there. If it's 18 bucks an hour, I'm there. And I say these numbers, these numbers may sound like crazy off the wall to some people because inside the industry, a lot of the guys were starting at like 20 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. But I took the warehouse opportunities as well on my day off. So I could learn a little bit more about the gear. I could learn a little bit more about the logistics behind the shows and things of the sort. And the more I learned, the more I actually fell in love with the industry itself. Mm. Um, And you never picked up a video camera. Never. Never, wow. Never. So uh, there's later on in my career, someone actually did give me an opportunity to learn camera. And, and I did take advantage of that comp, uh, of that opportunity. But at that point for me, it was when I say entrepreneur grassroots, like scratching and clawing your way through mm-hmm. it, it was 180 bucks for a day at a time. It was 200 bucks at a time, 250 at a time. And you're trying to feed a family and kids and things of the sort. So when I say you take every opportunity, you take every opportunity. But one thing that I've came to realize now is that we don't pay attention to, I think sometimes we overestimate the amount that we can get it done in a day. Oh my goodness, yes. But we underestimate the amount that we can get accomplished in a year mm-hmm. or even a month or even 30 days or in a week. But within that first year of business, like I, I built a team in real estate talking about scaling business, right? Mm-hmm. I built a team in real estate so that I could attack this full force. So anybody who came to me about a home, perfect. I can get, let's talk about it, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll get you uh, pre-qualified. Let me get you with this loan officer. I get, let me refer you to my team. Somebody else will show the home. Somebody else will it, it, do, write the deal, close the contracts, everything of the sort. I may make my little cut. But then I started to realize that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about getting these plates spinning and getting a little income coming from here and then something else coming from here. But I I read that book, The One Thing, mm-hmm. and I had to get target focused. Mm-hmm. I had to. So I let the I, I, I left real estate to, to be managed by a team. All people who were much better than I was at being an agent, all people who were way more skilled. So I knew it was in good hands, but this audiovisual industry, this live events industry, something was so intriguing about it. I was getting involved in these shows. I was 
And it was a much faster paycheck that was taking care of my family. I think that was the biggest motivation at that, at that moment, mm-hmm. the, the, the amount of money that you're able to make in there. Right. Mm-hmm. But eventually you get capped out as to what you're going to do when it's only you. Mm-hmm. So we start talking about scaling your business. So the one thing I was like, once you mentioned that book, I've seen it on a couple of other people's lists. Tell me about that book. What is it that was the most significant thing that stood out about it? I I will tell you two words, target focused. Mm. You focus on one thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember my mom asking me this when I was younger and she said, "Uh, if you, if, would you rather be someone who's extremely knowledgeable in one thing or would you rather know a little bit about a lot I actually told her when I was young which is funny because that's exact that's how I feel I am today I know a little bit about a lot mm-hmm. it allows me to open and engage in conversation with many people across different walks of life across so much varying topics mm-hmm. but for the simple reason is it it makes me a student I'm able to learn from a lot of these people. And, and sometimes the things that we learn are things what not to do. Exactly. <laughs> but it still makes us a student <clears throat> of life, period. Um, but when it comes to when you're trying to execute, if if we only have a certain, if we only have 100% of energy that we can target, we're trying to reach success, whatever success may be to you. It may just be to have your bills paid and not have to worry about the light being cut off this month. It may be, okay, I need to make sure that we can get on a family vacation. It may be, well, I need to buy this car because I'm tired of us having to pay for these Ubers or call somebody and ask for a ride. Whatever success may be to you, if we have 100% of energy that we can focus on that Mm -hmm. and all of these other things that are bothering us, a lot of it is emotionally a lot of us, a lot of it is us paying attention to the problems that we may be adhering to, whatever. The yeah, case whatever is. we think the problem Absolutely. is. Absolutely. But we can be skilled at playing pool, playing basketball, doing business and, and holding a podcast. But chances are that I'm not going to be a professional pool player uh, and, and be profitable off of it today or tomorrow. Same thing with basketball. Let's face it, I'm I'm a little old. I've passed my time versus mm-hmm. what, the, what they're recruiting. But if I know that my two areas that I can focus on is maybe podcasts and maybe business, all right, these are my two areas of passion. What if I started a podcast and figure out a way I can generate some revenue off of it? Mm-hmm. And then I decide to give laser target focus to this, 100% of my energy to this one thing. Well, the financial problems tend to fix themselves. The, uh, the, 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 the problem that a lot of us have on, in terms of not feeling like we're working or fulfilling our purpose, mm-hmm. that tends to go away because we feel like we're working on something much bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And by, by focusing on that one thing, I, I feel like it tends to spill over into other areas of, of your life. But mm-hmm. it, it, that laser target focus is absolutely necessary. Well, I'm going to go read it now. <laughs> I don't know if you have it. I may ask you if I can just I borrow do, it. And I can bring it for you. That's a, that's an easy fix. So we'll make that happen. Okay. That sounds good. But I'll probably get it faster if I go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I may have um, I may have a... a you have it in the car? Uh, no, an audible version, at least, that I may be able to share with you. If, mm. if not, a, a Kindle version. One of the two. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is your business that you are your scalable business that you're working on now? Let's go ahead and talk about AJ Marks Entertainment. All right. So AJ Marks Entertainment is a live event uh, production company and event management company. We specialize in audiovisual production. So when you go to these concerts, conferences, conventions, things of the sort, all of the screens, all of the lights, everything that you see, every camera shot, whether it's flying over the roof, whether it's kick camera shots of the crowd, whatever it is that you see is what we produce. We put on the actual show for you guys to enjoy. Um, we specialize in corporate events, but we also do concerts and things of the sort as well. So what we are working on is opening a new division called Synchrony, which is our te- technology department. 
We have had a, a major, I think there's a company with that name. Uh, there is a Synchrony. Ours is spelled a little differently. I think there's Synchrony fi- Financial because mm-hmm. I know that's one of the things that we're looking for. So AJ Marks is, start, is short for a journey of Marks, right? I remember uh, Maya Angelou said, people may not remember exactly what you say. They may not even remember your name, but they will always remember how you make them feel. That is very true. I, I, I adhere to it till this day. Mm-hmm. But I believe that a journey of marks is not only how business could, should be conducted, but how life should be lived. Remember, I spoke about that middle child. Thing. Right. What is it that we can learn? What is it that we can apply that can make it easier for the generations behind of us? What marks can we leave? When we leave this world, what will, be, what will we, we be known for? What, Hopefully what, it's for climate change not <laughs> happening the world does Seriously. not destroy itself like you know those environmental issues and having clean water i would say yeah absolutely yeah absolutely that's what i think i would rather have than technology but technology may have to be what gets us back into i was gonna fullness. say I, I agree i agree mm-hmm. because there's there's good and bad to everything right so social media was supposed to make us all a little bit more social and, and interactive, yeah. except for when we're sitting at the dinner table amongst each other. Yeah. Everyone is sitting amongst each other, but they all have a phone in front of them. It's, it's, it's more than just at the dinner table. We're it's attached, just like anywhere. We're attached online, but detached in person. So so there's good and bad to any to anything. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that we were working on is actually trying to launch the 1% program. Uh, it was a, a, a fact that it was known that if the top five Fortune 500 companies were to donate 1% of their revenue, mm-hmm. that they had more than enough money to end world hunger. Mm-hmm. If the top Fortune 500 companies can't do it, what about all of the other young entrepreneurs or, or the ones who have an idea that can actually change the world? Or, or that may be about the Earth's preservation or at least water preservation or something that can change the world. All of these things that are actually life-changing, they tend to be really profitable companies through one way or the other. But what do we do with these profits? So it's called Pledge 1%. It's an existing thing that's out there. And because you were mentioning it, I was going, wait a minute, I know what, I've heard of that one too. Okay. So people, usually it's startups, they are there to pledge 1%. It's an easy way to leverage a portion of your future success to support other nonprofits or startups in your community. It's a small commitment. And, you know, I I like that. I've Mm -hmm. seen this come through in applications when I'm applying to either a a startup some type of competition or, or the ability, I think even YC has it too. I think I've seen it there, but it's something that's definitely out there and you can easily join. Absolutely. Just like this. Absolutely. And I'm saying that 1%, I mean, if if I were to take a dollar out of every hundred bucks, it, yes, you, you may notice it if you're somebody who's going to pay that critical attention, but there is also a very, very famous entrepreneur who once told me, there's no financial problem that making more money can't fix. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. And, and it is true. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but what about taxes? He said, if you made more mm-hmm. money, you'll pay them. <laughs> it said mm-hmm. he's right, right? Right. But what if we can actually use what we're good at, mm-hmm. whatever it is that we're producing to, to work towards a greater good? Even if my only skill or knowledge is just about business in, in itself, mm-hmm. what about all those other people who have great ideas but no knowledge in how to actually apply it? Mm-hmm. You help other entrepreneurs, they become a little bit more financially fit. They're able to help others who are not as financially fit. We're able to donate yep. and help other countries where where we see young children with their ribs printing, drinking out of dirty rivers. And Lord, forgive me if I'm ever ungrateful. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, um, this is a day I'm, I'm recording um, five episodes all in one day. And so far, episode three out of the five, we've been talking about gratitude. It just seems to come up naturally in the conversation. I think that what I'm observing is that there's a more awareness of being grateful in the world about Mm -hmm. what we have and how we can, as you said, you know, either pay it forward and also give back. I I don't think that uh, a lot of us pay attention to how much the things that we may possess, whether yeah. they, they be even tangible assets or not, 
but they're all blessings in, in one way or another. Now, I don't, you may not believe in God, you may believe in the universe, whatever the case is, but it's coming from somewhere greater. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that, or, or my dad used to say, you can't pour into a full cup. So unless I pour this out into others, then whatever that greater good, yeah, how can it pour into me? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I agree. And, and life is short. It can be taken at a moment's notice, not even just your life, whatever it is that, that you're, you're so fascinated or fixated upon. Mm-hmm. Like we have to realize like gratefulness, gratitude, it, yeah. it's everything. And yeah. I believe it opens and introduces the door for us to, to allow more to come into our lives. I agree with you. I love this conversation. So that was, that takes us back to the original question, which is now the third question on a scale of one to 10, how hard do you think it is to build or make a scalable business? Because I'm going to tell you, I think it's a 10. I think it's ridiculously (laughs) hard and it's not for everybody because, you know, just as you were saying a little bit ago, I'm paraphrasing here, um, things will come and go. Absolutely. You know, people, money, pain, joy, all of these things, they're going to come and go. But at the end of the day, we choose to take this journey of being an entrepreneur. And this is effing hard. It is true. Yeah, it's very true. Um, it's not easy. It's it's not easy at all on a scale from one to 10. Um, I, I can't tell you that it's a 10. Um, in my book, I would say it's an eight. Mm. And I am a people person, a thousand percent. I love people. And for whatever reason, people love me. (laughs) But I will tell you that two things that I notice when you're trying to scale a business. One, it it comes down to people and it comes down to systems, Mm -hmm. right? And the systems are the one are the things that we can do over and over and over repetitively the same way, and we can get some type of predictable outcomes by them. Mm-hmm. The people, now those are the audibles. Yeah. Why? 90% of people out there probably operate on their emotions. Mm, I, I agree. Most people out there are not emotional. Reactionary. Re- absolutely. And my, I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. I am not perfect by any means. Like I, I will react. <laughs> and, and at times I'm like, oh man, I, I should have slowed down a little bit, mm-hmm. which is why I, I encourage meditation. Also a practice that I'm not great at, but I'm working on because I know, I noticed that it gives me at least a moment to slow down and think, think about things. Right. But now systems, like I said, gives us a way to, to duplicate what we're doing over and over and try to predict some, some type of results, the people that's the audible. So what can we do as leaders to try? Well, one, I believe it's actually truly investing in your people, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. monetarily. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But actually something way more expensive. Your, your time. time. <laughs> yeah. Your time. And once you can get people to buy into a much bigger vision, once you can make it less about them and about that vision. Now, not your vision to say that you're egotistical and you're arrogant. Yeah. You're arrogant. It's all about me, about me, about me. But what is our bigger purpose? Mm-hmm. What are we doing all of this for? When it becomes more about the we's and less about the eyes, we can carry more weight. Mm-hmm. When we can instill a little bit more discipline of the things that we should do every single day, whether we're feeling happy whether we're feeling sad, at least these basic things that need to be done every single day. Now, in a sense, we're able to enforce some type of system within our people. Mm -hmm. And if you can get those two things done and start to spread that out little by little, that that's where scaling, I feel it becomes effective. Yep. I yep. preach because I'm sitting there going, yeah, I totally agree with you here. <laughs> and I, I have messed up more from scaling without having those things and, and having to retract and say, oh, all right, we got to do this better the next time around. So I, I'm speaking from my failures. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to I know we have several other questions that would be in this this half of the show, but I want to make sure um, 
I leave time for the second half of the show, which I think is going to be really a lot of fun with you also. Um, (laughs) So you you already said a quote earlier. So I'm going, okay, I can skip that one. Uh, I don't know if it was your favorite quote, but you did mention a quote. And I think it was, uh, was it Oprah Winfrey? No. Oh, my Angelo. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. If I was to give you a quote, I'm going to give you, (laughs) I'll give you two quick off the top of my head. They're both biblical quotes. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's number one. Yep. And number two, I think I use this one even way more, is to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. Why? Because as an entrepreneur, you are going to hit turbulence. You're going to hit some rocky roads. You're going you're gonna to fall into potholes. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall off the edge of the cliff sometimes. And you're going to have everyone leaning and depending on you at those times when you have the least to offer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you that quote. So I, who much is given, much is required. I'm going to give you another one. Um, and I'm wanting to remember where it's from in the Bible, but um, I'm going to Google it right now. So it's First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Um, everything in the heavens and the earth is yours or lower. Oh, Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. And we are, I I don't want to look at this one because it's going to throw me off. But, um, and when I try to remember like now spontaneously, I'm going to mess it up. But everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. O Lord. And we, you are the ruler of all mankind. You control power and might. And it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. To me, that encompasses even everything else that is like what you shared, because it makes me remember that I come from him. Mm -hmm. I belong to him and nothing I have is mine. It is given to me because he's given it to me. I said that earlier. Everything we're given, that's a blessing. Yeah. So I'm throwing that that one. And it's first Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Yeah. I like those things. <laughs> okay. Um, this one is the question that I think I most want to know about you. What is the hardest lesson that you learned and it changed your life? Ooh. Hardest lesson that I've learned and it changed my life. Uh, I think I've learned too, and that both hurt, but the lesson stuck forever. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one was something that my dad used to say all the time was be swift to take opportunity. And that message didn't stick until I remember till this day, 773-2028. My mom had told me my aunt wasn't doing so well and I meant to call her and this was a Sunday and I didn't call her and the Monday she passed. Mm. So take advantage and be swift to take opportunity, whether that's in things that we're pursuing, things that we're maintaining, mm-hmm. things that we fell short on that we need to go back and, hey, let's fix this. Take those opportunities because life is short. Yeah. Life is short. <laughs> and you find that out from the elderly guy that you'll talk to who's 88 years old and said, I just had a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Life yeah. is short. So take take advantage of every opportunity. That's one. And um, number two, it's, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but as an entrepreneur, as a person, period, I don't believe that we should take everything at face value. Mm-hmm. Not everything that someone shows you is exactly what it is. I saw a picture of Prince Harry and from the side, it looked like he was sticking up his middle finger. Mm -hmm. But from in front, you saw that there was two other fingers beside that one and he was Mm -hmm. holding up three fingers. But from the side, they could say, what kind of prince is behaving this way? You see what I'm saying? Don't take everything for face value. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe everything you see. (laughs) Everyone lies. (laughs) Everyone likes That's true. Do your research, do your homework. And when you walk into rooms, be the most humble, but the most educated. And I don't mean that in 
in having degrees. No, because you're listening. Exactly. Yeah. Walk into these rooms with humility, but make sure that you're well-educated so that, as, as, as we used to say, so that they don't run game on you. Yeah, exactly. Because in business, you definitely will. Mm. Not just business, but in life. Mm. <laughs> so we're going to take a moment just now to acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the second half of our show, and our guest is Austin Jackson. And we're going to be talking about the future of what does 2030 look like? You get to pick anything you want. You get to put on your sci-fi hat, your wizardy hat, (laughs) whatever it is that, you know, you get your inspiration from. What is it that you think 2030 will look like, which is basically right around the corner? I was going to say 2030 is actually not that far. No, but Um, we know from COVID that it can change. Absolutely. Yeah. At a moment's notice. At yeah. a moment's notice. Um, 2030, a lot more automation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. A lot less entry-level jobs. Yes, I would. Yeah. More opportunity in the tech space. Definitely a lot Because more everything's going to be tech. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I hope the face of education change. Oh, it, believe me, it is. It I, is I already is. Our, our, our kids, our, our children, our youth have been learning in these archaic ways of doing things that half of the stuff aren't really applicable to today. So I hope I see that change. Um, I think they need to learn how to change a tire. I agree. <laughs> but there, there's, there, there's so much for them to learn. Oh, I that I know. they're not learning. Yeah, <laughs> there's so yeah. much for them to learn. I did learn how to t- how to change a tire because I had automotive technology. They when actually, I was in high school, right? They don't teach that anymore, though. That, well, they don't even teach cursive. Children don't no. know how to sign their names. Anymore. They don't know that. So there are some things that need to stay, you know, and mm-hmm. then you can move them forward. But like being able to sign your name, yeah. a digital signature is not a cursive signature. It, it, it's not. And, but I'm kind of wondering how much of that could be upheld within the court of law, because how many information hacks and things do we see really, right? But you have the right to homeschool and supplement. So you're very true. That is very true. But on one aspect, I believe that you may say, all right, I'm going to teach my kid about these, these different subjects that they're going to be able to utilize and use different later on in life. But what about the social Mm-hmm. aspect of it they don't get that time to interact with other kids they don't know how to go out there and make friends and those little things they're like oh well he'll make friends when he's older will he because mm-hmm. he never understood the concept when he was a child mm-hmm. but that becomes networking as an adult yep and your, your net worth is only as big as your network right You're so right. there's a lot of different things that children per se have. i 2030 i really wish education would change that that's what I'm hoping for the biggest change. One, the subjects that are taught in school, the the way education is being given to the children. Mm-hmm. The it's oh no, it's yeah. changing. I promise you that. And I hope that one other thing can change inside of schools. And I believe it that it would make a tremendous difference if children were actually to learn about mental health mm-hmm. when they learned about biology in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us don't pay attention to, yes, we have feelings, but feelings aren't facts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these children are operating on these feelings and we're losing so many youth to suicide. And it's that it's is not true. Cool. Yeah. Not cool. So and there's also bullying that comes from, well, gee, I don't understand why this kid is this way. And they'll they can be mean. I, <laughs> many I, times. I agree. I agree. Um and I I don't condone it at all. Um, I will say that I've seen it on more aspects than not, but I always say that if somebody were to go in the parking lot and say, man, that red car that you got is ugly as hell, 
I'm not really going to think much of it because I know my car is blue. So there are, are you even talking about my car? Mm-hmm. So if somebody was to come up to you and say, well, you're ugly as hell, like, well, I'm blue. You only see red kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So your opinion doesn't really matter or, or what makes your opinion any more valuable than mine. Right. And, and things of the sort like that. So confidence. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. and once I feel the education level change, I feel like everything else changes. The banking system will change to, to the, Money, money and monetary system that all, all of that will change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They used to teach values uh, in middle and high school. And I've seen these things uh, cycle through. We see it in fashion. We see it in architecture. We see it in art. We see it in a lot of things that are of value to us where uh, things will cycle like maybe 20, 30 years. You'll mm-hmm. see, Oh yeah. Now it's back. Mm-hmm. It's back. It's popular. So, I've been watching this uh, series called Black Mirror. It's okay. on Netflix. Have you seen this? I haven't. So one of the things I've only watched, I think it's five, and there's about 15 seasons. They're very disturbing. Seasons. Yeah. No, there's there's five shows and three seasons. Okay, Sorry, gotcha. I had it. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. um, there's 15 shows total, but three seasons, and there's only five. And they take something about technology, about what the future will look, whether it's AI or if it's um, virtual reality or augmented reality or social, our social channels. And and they demonstrate what it can be if it goes too far. Uh-huh. So it poses it as an ethical dilemma as to, and a cautionary tale. How as to, too far? Yeah, yeah. So one of the episodes that was pretty powerful, I mean, they're all, very powerful. Mm. And I just had to stop watching them because it was just making me, um, it was really disturbing, very disturbing. But there was this one episode where this couple, they fell in love, they have a baby. Um, she gets sick. She ends up being put into a, a coma state. She's not getting any better. The, the choice was, well, you can take her, her, who she is and we can transfer it into another thing so that she'll always be around. They did that. And they because they asked it as a yes, no question, she's a, she's not able to answer anything. Mm-hmm. But if your answer is yes, do this one one thing yeah. to indicate, yes, you want this or no, you don't. The answer was yes. I want to be placed into the teddy bear. Or oh, no, it's oh. not a person into a teddy bear. And then the teddy bear was able to talk just as her. And it became very annoying to the man who truly loved his wife. He sees another woman. He decides he wants to go. And now he's got his wife in a teddy bear and a teddy bear because the body was it, it couldn't be restored. The body was, you know, yeah, it was passed on. It it died. However, her person, who she is, is there. So one of the to further in this episode, one of the solutions that was provided to them by the hospital as well, we can actually make it so that just her voice can only be answered in one of her two teddy bear paws. Yes, this or no, this. And you can push it, but the answer was always a positive. Oh, I love you. Oh, yes, I want this, whatever. It was a real dilemma because that's a real person that's inside of this toy. Yeah. And then it was totally pushed out of the life of the family because the man married a new woman. The child who knew that was his mom didn't care for the teddy bear anymore it raises a lot of ethical to me dilemmas where, yeah, is that possible? Yeah, that is possible that it could happen like that. So watch it, check it out. Tell me what you think. I will. I, will. I, I did remember seeing something. Um, I don't I don't even want to call any of the big name companies, but there was someone who quit. Right, He was a, a tech guy. I don't know if he's writing code or whatever the case is, but he was talking about this machine that they had at, at this certain facility that he said, this artificial intelligence has went way too far that this thing has developed a soul. Wow. This thing has developed a soul and I guess can answer you at, a, at its own free will. And obviously they can learn 
at a way much faster rate than, than we can or whatever the case is. And I believe that there's actually video out there of Elon Musk saying the same thing, like, look, we've learned so much about AI, but we need to slow down because this may end up- Terminator. Taking, this may end up taking over humanity. Mm -hmm. And now, I don't know so much about it to even really comment or, 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 or thing on the sort, but I will definitely say, do your homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a way that people can, you know, they need to fact check. They need to fact check their mm -hmm. everything and not always trust what's coming up on the first two, three, you know, homepage, Absolutely. whatever, because those can be paid ads. And then there's other places where you can go and do some uh, behind the scenes, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, discovery and research to find out if something's true. But that's what the future to me, when we're talking about what does the future of work look like, it, it could look like so many things because we're creative, we're mm -hmm. innovative. We can go, how can we make it faster? And I know Absolutely. you said automation would be one of the things, but it, there's this place, well, should it be? Because then it's taking something away from us mm -hmm. where maybe we're not interacting with each other as much as we should Maybe we're making things too easy for the generations because I know you've got a true, child, true. you know, that generation because there's no struggle. And it's through the struggles, the Absolutely. challenges is where we learn. That, so should we make everything? Really uh, so I, I don't believe that we're that we as a generation will solve <laughs> all problems. No, but I believe that the easier that we make things, the more complicated problems the next generation be, uh, behind us can solve. Notice that a lot of diseases that we may have cures and things for today, they may not have had 60, 70 years ago. Supposedly cancer was cured years ago, years ago, mm -hmm. but they choose not to make that something that happens because pharmacies, doctors, hospitals, they, wake, they make way more money on the fact that people get sick. Heard that before. Heard the same thing with AIDS. <laughs> and uh... it all makes sense, right? It totally does. And then there's this part where I sit here and I go, okay, let's say that that's true. Then you also have people living longer and consuming more resources on the planet. So then how do you solve that problem? And we'll see that it could be something as simple as in China, where you're limited to one child. It could be that it can be, you know, something else, uh, coronavirus or something that comes and takes out half of the population in the world. I mean, there's definitely always a, a whole bunch of different possibilities and, right? and ways that things can go. Correct. Right. But they're also exploring life on other planets now. Aren't mm -hmm. they? So there may be some type of insight or, or, or reason as to why they're doing that. Mm -hmm. So who's to say they also said that when we did go on lockdown and people were on, on shutdown for two to three weeks, whatever the case is, that the Amazon started healing itself, not the company. No, yeah. <laughs> but it started healing itself. There was less smog in the air. There was yeah. less pollution. And maybe we are. I saw that too. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are over consuming and things of the sort. But there, there, when, we, when we look at 2030, I see technology getting applied in almost every aspect or area of business period look at mcdonald's there's um i'm not sure if it's mcdonald's itself but there's so many different fast food restaurants that now they're hiring a robot called flippy to flip their burgers yeah i've seen that you walk into the banks there's automated the automated tellers so you're going up to an atm machine inside of the bank and then if you can't get it done there a banker will help you so that kind of eliminated you self-check out the at tellers. target you all of these things there's uh there's international uh grocery stores that it scans from the time you put it in inside of your cart and right you take it out of your cart it, it gets subtracted or whatever the case is but and there's no humans in the store i've seen that too I, so my dad, the same surgeon did a knee replacement on him eight years ago, all manual process, said he had tremendous swelling, a whole bunch of pain and, and stuff before he could even walk, maybe about almost two weeks later. Mm -hmm. This same surgeon did this surgery uh, with his hands controlling a computer that controls a robot. And I will tell you that he was doing his one, two, three step with his walker 
the day after the surgery. But how was using a robot more effective than doing it by a human? I don't know if the robot's hands are a little bit more still. I don't know if, if the incisions become less invasive, that they don't have to interrupt as much tissue. Maybe it's it. a laser or something else they're using. Possibly. But the less invasive the surgery is, the less other uh, consequences. Around it, absolutely. The other areas around it gets affected. So there's less inflammation, speeds up healing time. And like I said, the day after he had, he was doing his walker, one step, next step, walker, one step, next step. So he was doing the one, two, three before I left him. And this is over the course of a weekend. He was gliding to the bathroom. Wow. And I'm like the same surgeon. Was it swollen? It barely, hmm. barely. It, he had more bandages than any than, than anything. And this but, was in the Virgin Islands. No, actually, he was up here in Cleveland Clinic. Okay, yeah, because I was going, wow, you know, over there in that area oh, of the world. No, yeah, yeah, he, he actually had to come up here because <laughs> over there, that I wouldn't say that our our healthcare system is the best. We definitely did have to fly to Puerto Rico for a lot of different things. Fly to Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, and things of the sort. So. Mm. That's one thing that that should be definitely improved. Mark yeah, and on my list of things to do. <laughs> one of the things I was going to ask about is robots, and you covered that. But there actually are robots. I've Googled this, and there are robots that are serving people food in oh, restaurants in Osceola County. Um, it's in California. I mean, there's all types of ways some, that robots are being used. Some big person, I can't remember, either some celebrity, just made an investment in this company that drives. The robot drives themselves to the house and delivers the pizza themselves. Oh, yeah. I've seen that, too. No yeah. delivery driver, no no anything. Mm -hmm. Yes, we lose jobs. But somebody has to program these robots. Somebody has to maintain these robots. Somebody has to. So we lose jobs in one aspect, but we do gain opportunities in another. And I do feel like the more education and the, the higher the barrier of entry is for these other opportunities, the better compensating they should be. Yeah. So if but if we omit the the time to become students, even of change, then we will get left behind. Mm, very true. So um, hard to believe it's been an hour. You wow, know. that was quick. <laughs> yeah, it flies by, especially when it's a really good conversation, too. Um, now, you've shared a lot of really good mentoring advice, things that came from the Bible, things that came from, you know, people that are, you know, world-renowned writers. But best mentoring advice that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, you apparently have a lot in your head. Self-awareness. Yeah. Knowing who you are. My uh, my elementary school principal used to say, know who you are, where you come from. Never forget that. Self-awareness is important. You mentioned values earlier. Yeah. I believe once we adhere to, once we have our values and we, we write them down and we instill them and we live towards them, we become, we start to live our life intentional. And when we live our life intentional, I believe that opens many doors. Some that we want, it closes others that we want but it also opens up opportunity to things that we didn't even know was in existence or was even possible for us. So I would say self-awareness mm. is that's, um, that's, I am Kaizen continuous improvement. I am forever a student of myself. Mm -hmm. forever. <laughs> Maslow's theory. Yep. Self-awareness top of the pyramid. So how can our listeners con contact you we usually share a website and we share linkedin is there anything else you'd like us to share um i hesitate to say don't share your personal email <laughs> no you're fine um actually if you you go on the website www.ajmarksent uh there's a, a we've got that there you go there's a, a spot on there where you can fill out your information and, and you can send an email from there and i'll be i'll be able to, to capture it one way or the other if somebody from the team intercepts it, they'll make sure I get it as well. Um, my LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn at Austin Jackson, Facebook, Austin Jackson. So I'm pretty, yes, my name is popular, but I'm pretty easy. To find. I know when I first met you, I said, that sounds like a movie star name or a spy. <laughs> yeah, see, well, I, I've heard Action Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, he's no longer alive. Yeah, I know. The $6 million man. Yeah, so sad. <laughs> He's a good actor. 
Anyway, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been delightful. And just so you know, this show is going to be airing November 15th. Copy that. Yeah. Make sure I'll be on the lookout. All right. Thank you so much. So we want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our production team, Josue Gonzalez, Gio Vargas, Dina Burks, and Lester Eccles. Our music is by Sophie Lloyd, and we would like to have your inclusion tip of the week shared on our show. So be sure to record it, send it, send your audio file to info at e4c.tech, and include your name, job role, and where you work. We will email our intern pursuit game green screens for your next video conference call. Be sure to visit Employers for Change at www.e4c to learn how you can create real diversity and an inclusive culture while scaling your people for work. And thank you for supporting the Intern Whisperer podcast by subscribing to our show on Podbean or your favorite podcast channel.